0: We are in the book of 1 Timothy, in the very last chapter of 1 Timothy. Next week, we will start into 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy, this is lesson 11. We'll start at verse 9. We've been following Paul, who is tutoring and mentoring Timothy to pastor the church uh, there in Ephesus. Ephesus. That's a big job. Taking over for Paul's role while he is in prison. We'll go ahead and get started. Thank you for joining us, everybody here live and in person, and those who join us and via Facebook later on with YouTube and also podcasts. So, beginning at verse nine, we'll read verses nine and ten, and then look at it. I think you'll find some of these. Versus familiar as we look at them. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Notice I specifically slowed down on that. Uh, sometimes we misquote that we say the love of money is the root of evil, but the Bible does not say that. It says it is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Question, is it wrong to have money? No. Is it wrong to be rich? Is it wrong to be really, really rich? No. That's not what the Bible is saying here, is it? Uh, As a matter of fact, many rich folks are great financiers for the kingdom of God and are able to bless the kingdom and churches and all that. So it's not money that's the problem, right? It is the desire or the love of money that is a problem. So when all we think about and desire is to have riches, then there is A problem, and can I tell you that this desire for riches isn't only it isn't only poor people who desire riches. As a matter of fact, even a rich person could just want more and more and more. It's not the money that's the problem, it's simply to have such a great desire for riches that it drowns out everything else in our life and becomes a brilliant idol to us. The Bible tells us, confirms that you can't serve God and Mammon, and Mammon is money, right? Uh, so uh, that's what's what is. who do you serve? Do you serve God or do you serve riches? And when I say serve, not that everyone who's rich has had to do this, but Many times to get rich, you have to put lots and lots of hours and lots and lots of time and effort and all those kinds of things. And sometimes to get rich requires that you neglect people and family and things that are really important, right? Not always, but sometimes. So we just have to make sure that we don't desire riches more than the other good things and blessings from Tell you it's a blessing to be able to give, whether you're giving to others to help those who are needy, As the Bible tells us tell us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And there's truth in that. When we are able to give and help people and support the kingdom of God and the vision of God, there's a lot of fulfillment in that. To be able to just be a part. And, and even just in small ways. I mean, you may not have a whole lot of money to give, but if you're able to participate, I'm thinking about the church here, uh, you know, we're working to kind of pay that land off. Well, it's not one person that's done all of that. It's been all of us as we, you know, give, and, and uh, uh, some more than others, but not necessarily more than others as far as the uh, percentage-wise, you know, what people had. So uh, it's just been really interesting to follow that and to see that. But I've been telling the church, you know, all the things we do as a a church to give back and to help ministries and to help missionaries and that what I want us to understand and people to understand is that we're not just a church that receives, 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 right? Uh, But that we have a responsibility to give as well and not make – Uh, Just our own church and our own projects. The only thing that we support, right? Uh, So it's important that we understand that. The desire to be rich can only be satisfied in Jesus Christ. And that is because of spiritual riches that we can receive. Everything else will fall short. So when Paul's saying, what happens to those who desire to be rich? He's saying that they, a couple of things, that they'll fall into temptation. Maybe temptation, uh, what kind of temptation? If you want to be rich and uh, hear Paul saying you might fall into temptation, what kind of temptation might you fall into? Selfishness? Selfishness? What else? Caring about others? Anybody else? Think about it. Gambling could be one of those things. Uh, What about maybe cheating, right? Cheating in order to be rich or uh, stepping over others in order to, you know, to have more riches. So uh, there could be a temptation. And if we're so desirous to uh, have money here on earth that we do what Carol talked about, rob God of tithe and offering then we're definitely going to be in a bad situation, right? God is rich. Have you ever thought about that? He's rich. The Bible says that he owns the cattle on the hills. But it's not limited to that. And the gold and the silver that's under it, right? So it's not, God doesn't think that being rich is evil, it's the desire part. Do I desire that more than I desire God, or more than I desire to bless my family and help and serve and all those kinds of things? So there's a scripture in the Bible that tells us that God can supply all of our needs according to His what? According to His riches. Whoa. So God's rich. And I, and I believe if we'll trust in Him and serve Him and honor Him, giving and serving him then god will take care of us right and so uh, but it is a problem i mean not only uh, people outside of the church but people inside the church sometimes struggle uh, with having their heart in the wrong place right Uh, at times so it's a good warning here uh, that paul is talking to timothy about let's read verses 11 through 16 but you, O oh man of God, so this, here's Paul talking to Timothy, flee these things and pursue, notice he's saying, don't pursue money, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. What does those things sound like to you? Fruits of the Spirit. That's exactly right. So he's saying, pursue those things. Pursue what the Spirit can give to you. Because God's a giver, Got it, right? I've learned so much about giving and serving the Lord just through my 57 years, you know. God's a giver. And he wants us to be givers, provides us with the things that we really, really need as Christians. We need righteousness. We need godliness. We need faith and love and patience and gentleness. Those are the things that will get you through in life even more than money does. Would you agree with me? Then he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. Anybody else? Think that. <laughs> the Lord's coming back in his own time. We can't rush it. Uh, we're not in charge of it, it even though it disturbs us. Who is he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Uh, you notice there in the last part of that that Paul just kind of breaks out into the praise break, you know, begins to talk about how great God is how wonderful he is and how uh, nobody is like God. Did you say that's true, and then there's nobody like our God. Paul says to Timothy, but you, I mean, those we ought to be different. We, we have to be different from the world. Part of the problem with the modern day church is that we want to be so much like the world that they feel comfortable and coming in and they don't even recognize the difference. There's a problem with that, right? Uh, It should be the difference in us because of what God's done in our life that attracts people to God. Not this, not the, oh, they're just like me. Otherwise, what are we? Just a social club, right? So he says, but you, oh man of God. So Timothy was commanded to be different From those who love riches and material wealth. In other words, there ought to be a Christian ought to have different desires, different dreams. I'll even say things that make you happy and content with life. It's gotta be different from the world. But you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Instead of riches and all the things that the world can give to us, Timothy is to pursue those things to value God and what God can do for him, right? Having money is a good thing. I'm not going to lie. Having money to supply for your basic needs is wonderful. Can I tell you, when I was first married, I was poor, Pole, and I'm talking about really poor. <laughs> I didn't have much at all. We, we lived pretty meagerly. We lived on sandwiches and soups and, uh, and spaghetti. Yeah, I'm not kidding when I say that. Uh, but then, you know, I was blessed in that I could show up at mom's or mom-in-law's house, and uh, they all had a great dinner, you know. <laughs> so here, we're to value the things of God. He says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. What does he mean by that? What's the fight of faith? So stand in faith, believe on God, trust him. Uh, what else? What's the fight of faith? Keep doing it. Be faithful. Be, be consistent, persistent. Uh, keep doing what he calls you to do. What's, what else? What's the fight of faith? We hear Paul, Paul uses these words all over his epistles. fighting the good fight of faith. And, and and not like Kitty said, not on how much do I have, or uh, is, but on the Lord, right? And and when, when we look, we look at how He sent them out. What a lesson! Hey, don't even take an extra coat with you. It takes It takes faith. It does it takes faith. It takes so much. fight the good fight of faith. The fight of faith. The reason why it's a fight too is it goes against the world's ways principalities and all those kinds of things. It's a direct confrontation, a front to the world and the enemy to live a life of faith for God. It's almost like you have to have a soldier's determination. I'm gonna keep going, right? I'm gonna fight I'm gonna keep serving and loving the Lord and going forward to the best of my ability. And then God knowing that God will supply. He'll be there for us. So so God calls not only Timothy to fight the good fight, but for us. Carry on, to be determined. One of the best things you can ever, uh, I'm going to call it a spirit, is just get a spirit of determination. You know, I didn't come too far. I don't know about you. (laughs) Right? You know, I, I look at some of you and I know you have come very far, farther than I have. But I've come too far to turn back now, right? I've got a determination of going on with the Lord. Not every time that somebody gets saved, you know, they come forward and pray and whatever, but sometimes, fairly often, I'm led to tell them, look, when you walk out of here, right here, right now, easy when you've got people supporting you, loving you, praying on, with you, and, but the fight comes out there. So don't get discouraged when you know the devil comes against you, or people. He uses people to fight against us too, right? Uh, And and the devil will lie to you. He'll tell you you're not really saved. You know, uh, sometimes I'm led to tell people that because the Holy Spirit leads me to do that. If we don't watch how we preach and how we present the gospel, we can lead people to believe that once you accept Christ as your Savior. It's just a big bed of roses, and it's all going to be perfect, and we know that's not true, right? Uh, At least it hasn't been for me. I don't think it has been for any of us, right? Uh, So we we do need to be careful how we present the gospel. Obviously, something happened with those disciples, you know. They went from hiding out, afraid, Denying. denying, and all that see and actually I was in my sermon Sunday about the different things that the apostles went through Peter hung upside down because you know and and there's a supernatural determination that we don't talk about and it comes from the Holy Spirit that gives us that and they experience that right they experience that uh, type of change in their life so when we look at Timothy here Paul is saying Timothy Strive, move forward, fight the good faith, lay hold on eternal life. Can I tell you that is the hope that we have? I'm guilty of this, okay? So when I say it, don't feel condemnation, feel that I'm with you on this. Many times we look at our plot and life and what we've had to go through and how bad and evil the world is, and we get all down and out. But the prize isn't on this earth. The prize is to lay hold on eternal life, right? Uh, it, I mean, not that I want to go through those trials and things on this on this in this life, but it's the, the eternal hope that we have, that, that heaven will be ours. And so that's why we can keep going. That's why we can fight the fight faith. That's why. Uh, we can lay hold on eternal life because we know that God has something better for us. Timothy was drafted into the war. You ever think about that? You've got a call on your life. God drafted you. You do. Every, every one of us have a call on our life. It may be different. It may not be behind the you know, podium here and teaching this way. It may be just loving on people and serving people you know, being uh, a teacher, uh, being, you know, all those kinds of things, uh, but were drafted, were called into service. But look at this what it says about Timothy, to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, he was called, but he also volunteered. We volunteers as well, right? Because we accept the call of God and we begin to serve, not because of we have to, but because we love, right? We love the Lord. and we love people and we love serving the Lord. Um, I was uh, joking with some of my minister friends uh, today. I sent a little text out to uh, some of them, and I, I said, uh, and it, it was totally a joke. It was, I have 12 pages of notes. Uh, I have, for the sermon that's coming up, I have to reduce them down to less than five. I have to make sure that uh, it is relatable to every age group in the church, because I'm preaching to everybody. Uh, and I have to do it in 20 to 30 minutes, and then, you know, and like, and there's a lot to that, right? Uh, but then at the end of that statement, it was, but somehow, I love my job. Not because, I'm not doing it because I have to. Sure, it's a calling, But I'm doing it because I volunteer. I I, I love the Lord and I want to do what he's called me to do, right? Uh, So that's important. And he's to do this for how long? Until the Lord Jesus Christ appeared. So we don't go part of the way, half of the way, but we Serve the Lord until he comes. Or until we go to meet him, right? Which is good as well, right? So serve the Lord until Jesus Christ appearing. That says, he who is. There's something about knowing who Jesus is that equips us for a good fight. The more you know the Lord, the more you love the Lord. The more you love the Lord, the more you know that he's going to take care of you, protect you, help you win the final faith. right? Uh, so, uh, to know who he is, this just came to me, but uh, many of our, many of some of us in here, a lot of us, most of us, Brother McKinley was our pastor for Years and years and years. In his favorite verse, somebody quote it for me? He is, and he is the rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. So the first thing you gotta know is who he is, right? Uh, And when you do know that, then it's easier to carry on because you know he's not gonna fail you. You know he's going to keep you. You know he's going to take you to your eternal reward. He who is able to keep you. Right? That's what the Bible says. Then he just begins begins to describe who God is. God is the blessed and only potentate. What does that mean? Potentate is the one who has all the power, all the strength, who rules over the whole universe and occupies the Wow, that's who God is. His arm is not short; he can meet all of our needs. He's powerful. He's amazing. He's in charge of all the universe. Only one with that kind of power, right? He's an amazing, God. That's what uh, Paul is telling Timothy here. He alone has immortality. Dwelling in unapproachable light, the Bible says that God is very few things. He is love, and He is light. And sidetrack. What there is a book uh, that a friend of mine that loves to give, Dr. Brown, and he comes to church here now. He loves to give a book talks about imagine heaven. And one of the most amazing things, and these are people who died and then came back to life, okay, their stories. And all of them, when they die, there's this light that they're headed towards. And so, because uh, God is light. He, he dwells in unapproachable light. Uh, the only way that we can approach the light is that he draws us into him, right? so amazing. Whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and everlasting power. Knowing who Jesus is will bring a response of praise. You truly understand who Jesus is, you can't help praise. Right? I mean, he's worthy, right? He's good. He's a good, good father. He's friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's all of those things to me and that's why that's why this kind of setting and corporate church setting is important. Not that you can't get this knowledge outside of here but uh, when we understand who God is it begins to change us and we begin to worship him in different ways. I can worship God as my supplier because He's supplied my needs before, right? I can worship God as a miracle working God because He did a miracle on me. I can worship God as my healer because I know He's my healer, but also I can know and knowledge God and understand Him in deeper depths and higher heights, like our pastor used to say as well. And then we begin to we can worship God. Higher levels, because we know, you know, it's really important here in this to know who God is. He's good. Verses seventeen through nineteen. Paul had kind of finished this, and then it's like he goes back and says, "Let me say a little bit more to those who are are rich." Because he said, you know, he gave this warning about don't desire money so much, you know but if you are already rich, here's what he speaks. Command those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, there's so much in this, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy, let them do good that they may be rich in good works. You see, you can be rich in doing good works, even if you're not rich, in the natural, right? Ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Rich in this present age is talking about the here and the now on the earth. If you're rich in that way, don't be haughty. What does that word mean? Don't lift yourself up. Don't be pride. Don't walk with your nose so high up in the air that you drown in the rain, right? Uh, right? Don't be don't be haughty. That's what he says. It's not a word that we use too often, but you know what it means, right? But then look, don't trust in uncertain riches. Wow, we all not understand this in our day and age. Banks, failing, 401 ks bottling out. Who do you you put your money with? Who do you trust? How do you invest? Did I tell you any? And I'm not against investing. I invest. And and I, you know, try to do the best that I can with what God has given me. There's nothing wrong with that. But those, all of those are uncertain riches. Every last one, you could have the best job and lose it. You could have... 401k that's amazing, and tomorrow the stock market drop out. I remember 2008, 40% of my 401k whoosh, gone one day. One day. Right? So, all of those are uncertain riches. Don't trust, don't be haughty, think you're better than you are. Don't trust uncertain riches, but in who? Living God, not a dead God, but a living God, right? One who uh, is active, alive, moving. Who can meet your Who can intervene? Because He's not a dead God; He's a living God, uh, and it's, it's so uh, powerful. Not many times, as most times, we have more than enough food when we have a church dinner. But there's been a few times when I was like, Lord, uh, can you do like you did with the fishes and the loaves? Because we might run out, you know. Um, But that's not happened very often. Yeah, checks in the mail, unexpected money. Have you ever got a refund from your insurance? And you're like, I didn't even, somehow the doctor bill got overpaid and I got money back, right? I mean, you know, things like that because God takes care of us and he is able to move because he's the living God. Those unexpected blessings came. Some of those blessings weren't even financial blessings. They were, well, they would be considered financial blessings because I didn't have to go out and buy something. Have you ever just had somebody walk up and say, I just feel like I'm supposed to give this to you? I mean, I remember, again, One of those times when we were pretty poor, and uh, our furniture was less than desirable. (laughs) And somebody said, uh, hey, we're buying a new table and chairs. We'd like to give this to you. Is that all right? Yeah, it's certainly all right. (laughs) Uh, Because God's good like that, right? Uh, And when we serve and we're faithful, God blesses us beyond what we deserve. Uh, that's what Dave Ramsey's favorite say, saying is, not it? How are you? Bob? Better than I deserve, right? Because God's good. So if you're rich, do good, that you may abound in good works. Sometimes people think the main reason to give to the Lord is because the church needs money. Can I, can I refute that? the main reason to give the church is because you need to learn to be a giver. Wow. That sets our mind a different route, doesn't it? Because just like we just talked about how God supplied for us, God could do the same for the church and has. I can tell you some stories there too, right? So the main reason to give, number one, it's a command. But another main reason to give is so that we learn to be a giver. Because it does something to our character and our spirit, man, when we give, right? It it changes us. What does it do? It takes the focus off of me, 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 and it puts it on a good God and a loving God and serving God, you know, uh, so it's important that we understand that, uh, and it helps us guard against being greedy and trusting in uncertain riches, because God will supply, I don't like to say this, but it's true, God will supply for the church even if you don't give. It's really in your behalf, but for your good, that you give, that you aren't giving. Uh, I don't say that too much because then I wonder if people would just stop giving, you know. <laughs> uh, but the truth is that uh, God tells us to. Said before, God's rich. He tells us to give because it does something to us. It changes us. An important thing in learning to give is because we gain an understanding of that, you know, that's something God wants us to be. He wants us to Yes, and not be greedy. Uh, the purpose, you know, for the kingdom, the purpose for giving is to spread the kingdom, right, Uh, and to spread the preaching of the word of God. And God allows us. I say that all the time when I'm taking up offering. Have you ever noticed that? God allows us the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. That's a privilege, right? It's like, praise God. He's doing something, and I have to be a part of it. I mean, And a little part in helping to pay that land down. And the land is not the goal, just like Kitty said. The goal for us as a church is to have a place that will influence people to come and to learn and to grow the church to grow the kingdom of God, right? Uh, That's not uh, it's not about a building. It's about a building. Okay, verse 20 and 21. Oh, Timothy, that's a statement of love. It's like, ah, oh, Timothy, guard what got, what has what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. The world has a lot of things that they call knowledge that's just babbling, contradictions. By professing it to some. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. So, here Paul is telling Timothy, guard what was committed to you. Guard it. Protect it. It's important. Your calling is important. No matter how little you feel you are, Of God. What God has called you to do, Timothy or Linda or Flame or Kidney, no matter what God has called you to do, guard it, keep it, do it for the kingdom. Uh, Guard against the way the world would try to change your focus. That's what. If I was preaching, I'd say, look at your neighbor and say, stay focused, right? Okay? Guard what God has given you. That's important. I think it's for all of us, right? Uh, I can get distracted by a lot of things and not fulfill the purpose that God's called me to. I can pursue other things. Uh, all of us could. There's a There's focus. Paul, telling Timothy, you've got to stay focused. Guard what he's given you to do. Keep doing it. Be faithful. Uh, and, and that's important. All right. Let's look at the questions. So question one, and this, you can find this in verse nine of chapter six, 1 Timothy. What does Paul say happens to those who desire to be rich? All into temptation and a snare. And harmful lusts. According to verse 10. What is a root of all kinds of evil? Love of money. Question 3. To pursue money or riches. According to verse 11. What does Paul tell Timothy to pursue? Correct. Righteousness, God in faith, love, patience, and gentleness. According to verse 14, what did Paul urge Timothy to do? Keep the commandment without spot and blameless. Be different, Shane said. What does Paul tell Timothy to fight and lay hold of? He's supposed to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. According to verse 14, how long was Timothy to fight the good fight? Lord comes back, or your life is in you. Question 7, according to verse 17. What was Timothy to command those who are rich to do? Not to be haughty. Don't trust in uncertain riches. According to verse 20, what was Timothy thought? What was committed to his trust?